Hello, hello, hello. Uh, I'm Jessica and we're here with another episode of Not D&D, which is brought to you by EN Live, part of EN World, the leading tabletop news and review site. And with me this week, I'm very excited because we're talking about Blade Runner with my guest, Tomas. Tomas, could you please introduce yourself? Hi, and thanks for having me. Yeah, <laughs> my name is Thomas, Thomas Herstam. I'm uh, one of the founders of Freely Publishing and uh, CEO at, 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 at present. And uh, I also the lead designer for the Blade Runner RPG on the sort of structure system side of things uh, and the general just getting getting it all together. But it's obviously a team team mm-hmm. teamwork, but I try to sort of steer the ship. Try and pull it all together. So yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Um, this week we're not doing a live stream. We were pre-recording two to time zones. But if you do have any questions we don't answer during the stream, you can always get in touch with Free League on Twitter at Free League Pub. And also Free League Publishing is on Facebook, Instagram and Twitch. So if you have any questions that we don't cover in the stream, you can certainly get in touch there or indeed on the Kickstarter campaign that is running live now. And we'll put the links in the notes there so you can click on it so you don't have to type all that out there. Um, the speaking of the Kickstarter campaign, it's doing quite well so far. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's yeah. three days left, and it's just yes. shy of $1.5 million last time I checked. Yes. So, um, yeah, so um, we had this as one on EN World. It was voted one of the most anticipated RPGs of 2022. Um, so we're not too surprised that it's done uh, so well. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a, an amazing couple of weeks here. And, uh, you know, really, we're really happy about the reception this has been getting. So that's yeah, been great. Excellent. Um, before we dive into talking about Blade Runner too much, um, I'd kind of like to talk about your background with RPGs, as I do with all the guests. Um, sure. So what was your first tabletop RPG? It was a Swedish one called Mutant. Uh, it was mm-hmm. pretty much, this was in the mid-80s. I think I got it in 1985. Back then, there was a huge boom, I guess, not only in, I guess, all over the world, maybe, but it's mm, yeah. specifically in Sweden, there was a big big boom and a couple of uh, mm-hmm. RPGs came out. Uh, they were back then, everything was in Swedish and we didn't get mm-hmm. much, you know, uh, role-playing games in English, that was a bit hard to come by back then. So it was mm-hmm. more of a local market. So this game, post-apocalyptic game called Mutant was my first one. Uh, and I'm kind of part of that generation that uh, was uh, part just right in the right age back then to for that initial RPG boom in the mid 80s. Yeah. So that's sort of, I'm part of that, uh, you know, original generation, I guess, who, who got started <laughs> back back then. Uh, yeah, this game Mutant is actually one of, uh, is uh, what is now our version of that game is Mutant Year Zero. So that we kind of, you know, uh-huh. that was a bit of fun to actually make a new edition of that old game. That was my very first one I played. Nice. Yeah, that is, yeah. That is really nice to have that. Um, so moving on from there to talk about how did you end up being somebody who played a lot of games and is a fan of games? How did that transition to where you work now? How did you first start working in the industry? Yeah, it's been a bit of a strange journey. It's It, it didn't happen overnight. It was very much a step-by-step process. Obviously, uh, in back, back in the you know, early days, I was only just you know a role player, but I did very early on start writing but games as well designing games but only for for fun i think i made my first mm-hmm. one when i was 12 or something obviously oh, wow. it, never, it never went anywhere when you know there was, no, <laughs> there was no internet back then so it didn't didn't have any way really to do with it but i kept doing mm-hmm. it was always one of those there were, I, mean, I think that's part of the role-playing hobby that it's so much yeah. creativity people design their own they tinker they home rule they homebrew and i was very much doing i've always been doing that so just transitioning from playing RPGs, to writing them, that that line was always very blurry for me. So that mm-hmm. was not a big step in itself. But uh, what happened later in the like early 2000s, 
we uh, a new version actually of that game mutant uh, came out from another publisher uh, okay. and that kind of pulled me back into role playing i had been sort of busy with other things for uh, for a number of years there around the turn of the millennium but in the you know early 2000 that pulled me back in and i started uh, freelancing doing some work uh, for that game and that's where i met the other three people who were the original four founders of free league publishing uh -huh. And that just started as a group of people who designed uh, freelance stuff and, and played games together. And that's like over 10 years ago now. And that mm -hmm. then turned into uh, just a freelance group called Free League. It's, it's uh, named after a faction, a group within the game Coriolis, which we also wrote for. So let's uh -huh. take it from there. And that then that publisher went out of business and we took over some of their projects and we said maybe we should start a small company. But that was obviously mm -hmm. very much... Uh, free time uh, hobby level thing for for years we, we founded the company in 2011 and i think mm -hmm. it, we, it was just a free time weekend we weeknight thing yeah until well, for the first five or six years but then it just one thing led to another things started picking up we got some attention for a number of games maybe the first one that got some real attention was tales of the loop i think that was our yes. third game internationally we had done mutant year zero and coriolis mm -hmm. before that but i think tales from the loop kind of put us on the map a little bit more and then that mm -hmm. led to some other things and then we did you know alien and yeah things yes. just kind of ballooned from there and then now we're at least a bunch of people here who actually do this mostly this for a living which is uh, a bit strange looking back it's, it's, yeah it's been interesting wow excellent yeah you've had some amazing titles you've got to work on like you said you had tales from the loop the alien rpg uh, forbidden lands uh and now blade runner as well um yep. so plenty to keep you busy it makes sense that it's now a full-time <laughs> full-time venture yeah and especially in the last month i imagine been very busy the last few weeks running the kickstarter campaign and getting everything done yeah um so Let's talk a little bit about the Blade Runner RPG. So that's why we're here. Um, so for yep. anyone that's not familiar, it is still live now on Kickstarter. The link is there and the link is below in the show notes. So you can just click on there. So you have three days left if you wanted to get in and get involved on this. Um, so take a look out there whilst we're talking. Um, so yeah, so it looks like a beautiful book. Um, so first of all, um, it's a really big license, obviously, Blade Runner, because so many people know the films and love the films. Um, so uh, I've had a question from uh, Andrew Prowse, who said, um, how have you captured the experience of the films and the world uh, in the role-playing game? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a fantastically interesting design challenge because, I mean, any, any RPG is a challenge to design. I mean, it, it has to everything has to kind of come together. The rule mechanics, mm -hmm. the, the graphic design, the art and it all, and the, and the setting material, it all has to work together. So it's always, you know, challenging. I think this one, uh, particularly so, because the, the films are so, you know, iconic and beloved yeah. and also quite complex. They are not like, mm -hmm. you know, they, they are fun and exciting, but they also have a lot of depth and, and they bring up a lot of, you know, existential questions. Yes. Difficult uh, moral dilemmas. And, and, and to bring that into the RPG is definitely challenging. So we've done it in a number of different ways, both mechanically mm -hmm. and also in terms of the actual, we call them case files, but they are like mm -hmm. the scenarios or adventures that you'll be playing. Mm -hmm. That they will also draw on these kinds of themes and issues. So, so it will be a game that kind of does bring these kinds of issues to the to the forefront and you will need you will have that kind of 
I don't know, moral struggles, dilemmas to, to that will be not, that's not all you'll be doing with that will definitely be part of the game. Uh, I guess when you see the full and complete game, I guess you can see exactly how that works, but uh, it's definitely part of, part of the game is something that we've been working a lot on. Yeah. And if, um, so I think a lot of people are love, as you say, love and know the Blade Runner films, they know the setting and familiar with it. But if somebody was unfamiliar with the setting and we're just looking at the RPG, how would you describe the, the setting and the world uh, in the game of Blade Runner? Oh, that's uh, quite a question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We call it Neon Noir for short. I yeah. mean, it's we don't call mm -hmm. it a cyberpunk game. I don't really think it's cyberpunk mm. exactly it is has you know relations to cyberpunk but i wouldn't exactly mm -hmm. call it i wouldn't use that term so we it's very much a noir game of that kind of uh aesthetic of these rain-soaked streets and that kind of mm -hmm. conflicted protagonist and and and, and all of that so I, but it, it's placed in this neon wonderland type of of, of uh, environment mm -hmm. this futuristic almost retro future wonderland mm -hmm. city that that is the los angeles of 2037 which is the year we chose to place the game in and in this environment you will be playing mm -hmm. blade runners who are assigned to a specific unit in the police force that investigate cases that in some way or another uh, revolve around replicants uh, these artificially designed beings or uh, that that that's our core to the blade runner uh, films and, and and the entire franchise so in the game you will be investigating cases but these cases mm -hmm. can take any number of forms so it's not always the, the, the fact that you'll be chasing some replicant you might be doing mm -hmm. a wide variety of different things uh, in this game Excellent. And um, someone else, Andrew's asked again as well. Um, so obviously the films are so iconic and it's such a, a big story there. So how can people feel that they're playing a unique part in the world and that they're not just kind of echoing and following the movie, telling that story again? Yeah, that's an interesting balance because in an, mm -hmm. that's something we've felt when we designed some of like also Alien and and uh, and uh, we also did the One Ring. Yeah. Uh, there has to be a level of familiarity. You want to you want to invite players into the game and, and make them mm -hmm. feel comfortable of, enough in the world to kind of be able to act in it. And, and for that to work, it actually helps to use some familiar elements. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not only you go to the exact same places as in the films, not exactly, mm -hmm. you can use some of those elements to get that sense of, oh yeah, I know where I am now. And then from there, it's much easier to build your own story. And that's kind of the approach we had, that we use some of these very familiar mm -hmm. elements as kind of to, to, to ground the players in the world, but then the stories we tell, they go in quite different directions. And I think working with this, we kind of just realize how much there is to actually do and discover and, yeah. and the multitude of stories that can actually be told uh, within these confines of, of being a Blade Runner, which is, uh, it's been quite fascinating. And it is also inspiring to, to read the other media. There have been, I mean, there are the, comics now from from titan books there are there's an anime there's there's other stories being told in the blade runner universe that are that also kind of showcase that the that kind of width and variety that 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 this universe can can uh, can be and and, and to play stories in yeah, excellent. Um, uh, the film is known for having, you know, beautiful cinematography and you know, things like that. And I think you can see in the books here, you've chosen 
kind of beautiful artwork the components i've got on the screen right now it looks like there's loads of gorgeous stuff can you talk us through what people will be kind of getting physically when they get their copy and a bit about kind of the artwork you chose sure yeah uh as for the physical bits what we see there on the screen is the starter set and all of its components Mm-hmm. Uh, they're pretty much, I mean, there could be some, 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 this is still not the final, final design. There could be some of changes, course, but yeah. pretty much, pretty much this is it. And as you can see, there's a bunch of handouts. I think it's like 26 or seven handouts. So it's going to be, since this is a focus. It's a lot of stuff. On, it's a lot of stuff. And it, it, <laughs> yeah. it really serves two purposes that this is, uh, uh, you work cases. This is casework investigations. You'll get handouts. To, with that, we'll have clues and evidence that will lead you on in the investigation. But also, these handouts really help to immerse you into the world. So you have mm-hmm. a number of maps, as you can see. You have some data files. You have photos, like the, the famous Esper photos that you can see in the film, the, the one that you can zoom mm-hmm. in. So you have some of that. You have a variety of handouts. And, of course, a big map of, of Los Angeles that you can see in the background. There is a condensed rule book. And then there is the scenario book that is a full-length case file in the starter set that is called electric dreams that you will that's mm-hmm. a full it's not a small starter it's a real fully fledged scenario or case file that you can play so really this and you have some dice and cards and, and stuff too so yeah everything in there you is enough to play this uh, initial uh scenario that will keep a, a, a group busy for a number of, of sessions and really get you into yeah. the, the game so that's uh quite a bit of stuff there to to kind of go through <laughs> Uh, as for the art style, yeah, the mm-hmm. art, uh, I mean, we, uh, in most of the art, almost all of it is done by our sort of in-house uh, artist. Uh, his name is Martin Griep, and he does mm-hmm. all a lot of the art for our games. He's also one of the partners uh, of Free League, so he's, not, he's uh, very much involved in the entire process from, from mm-hmm. just concept work to, to just carrying it out, and, and it's been... Uh, Having one person, and especially someone as 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 talented as he is, doing mm-hmm. a game like this, I think really helps to bring the immersion to to the game, and and ha- it, that consistency and that tone, I think that really works to to mm-hmm. to immerse the player when into the game and into the into the game setting. We we generally try to avoid having too many different artists because even if they are individually very good, if you have like yeah. 20 different artists with 20 different art styles that would kind of put you out of the illusion of, of the world. So that's mm. why we prefer to work with, uh, with very few. Yeah. It's one cohesive kind of design and exactly. one vision for the artwork. Yeah. yeah. It, it looks absolutely beautiful, which is something I think we've come to expect from kind of all free league games <laughs> anyway. But yes, yeah, so I'm very looking forward to seeing all the artwork um, as you can see some on the screen here. Um, but talking about the game a little bit more kind of uh, mechanically so so how does the how does the game work what are the kind of rules of the game oh yeah we, we have a what has turned into kind of a house system that has gotten the name year zero engine it, it <laughs> only started out as the rule system that we designed a decade ago for mutant year zero and then it kind of evolved mm-hmm. from that and we've been using versions of it for our games uh, and and this is uh, no no different we have changed some bits though this time around, uh, most of our other games use uh, pretty big pools of D6s, six-sided dice, as kind of, and then you use them in different ways. This one actually instead uses, you only generally roll two dice, but they can be of different uh, okay. sizes. So they work a bit differently in that respect, but otherwise it's fairly similar. I think what we 
in a general level, what we want to do with a rule system in, in Blade Runner is to keep it to some extent out of the way. I mean, it should be there to kind of nudge the story in the right direction and support the kinds of yeah. style tone uh, that that Blade Runner should have. But otherwise, it should not get in the way. This is not a super crunchy system. It's a fairly rules light system so that players can focus on the casework, the investigations, and also on their own character development, because that's also a big part of Blade Runner, kind of this introspection yeah. almost, and, and who are you really? I mean, that. so too much rules and too much dice rolling kind of gets in the way of those kinds of things. So that's why we kept it fairly rules-like this time around. Mm -hmm. Sounds excellent. Yeah, I can see this section on the page we're looking at here. It's talking about kind of promotion and humanity. So yeah. how does promotion work in the game? Is that kind of you, you develop your character more and get more cool stuff? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there. that's one of the things that this is an example of, of how we tried to get a feel of what the kind of moral dilemma or the kind of difficult spot that you will find yourself in as a Blade Runner. Because on the one hand, you need kind of to do your job and that will mm -hmm. give you the promotion points, which you will need for different things. You can use it yeah. to acquire gear, you can use it to, uh, yeah, and any number of, of things. But then uh, as a, you will also be placed in, in, in difficult situations. This is not a game where you can mm -hmm. just solve the case, go home, be happy. That's never going <laughs> to be a case in, in Blade oh, Runner. No. Exactly. So that's not a happy you... game. No, not really. Not that happy. <laughs> fun playing it, but it's not really a happy game. No. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> these humanity points are there mm -hmm. to kind of reinforce the idea that you also, you cannot just focus on, on your duty or your job. You have, there is mm -hmm. another side to things, and that's where these humanity points come in because you will be faced with situation where you might feel you need to go your own way and 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 not do your job or actively choose to disobey for some reason and 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 hide evidence or whatever you might need to do because it's just mm -hmm. the right thing to do at the time and that's mm -hmm. where these humanity points come in and and so it, what you'll be doing in the game is you need to balance these things is mm -hmm. if you go you you won't progress um very quickly it won't be if you only focus on the promotion points and just mm -hmm. do your job that that won't be a that's not a recipe for perfect success but also if yeah. you go all the way to the other side and just go completely rogue you can do that but then you probably won't stay as a blade runner very much longer because you can't stay in in, in that role yeah. so and that might be a choice you go at, at one point you might decide mm -hmm. to actually just leave yeah. Uh, but uh, for the most part, you'll be kind of balancing these things. And I think that's kind of, uh, as we see both Kay do the protagonist of Blade Runner 2049, and also Deckard in the original film, they are sort of torn between what they should be doing because it's their job and, and what they sort of their conscience tell them to do. And I think that balance needs to be be there in the RPG as well. Definitely. Um, so you mentioned with the promotion points, they're used kind of mechanically, they, they get you stuff and things. What do yeah. the humanity points, uh, how do they work mechanically in the game? Uh, um, both the promotion points and humanity points can be used to improve your character, but to oh, do that, different it, things. Yeah, yeah, like increase skill levels and gain, we have something called specialties, so you can uh, learn new specialties and, and increase your skill levels. That will mm -hmm. You can use promotion points and humanity points to do that. So it basically okay. uh, that would kind of enhance your character and, and make it uh, mechanically progress. You, you can you, using these these points. Okay, excellent. Um, are there any other kind of mechanical uh, bits or how the game works that we should kind of know about? I think one thing that I'm looking forward to people 
trying out is mm-hmm. is the chase rules. Uh, chases oh. feel uh, I there. I mean, they're in very much appropriate for a game like Blade Runner. And it's yes. not something we have done so much in the other games. Uh, I guess it's mm-hmm. possible, but it, we haven't really focused on it. But here we have mm-hmm. a fairly big subsystem for chases, both on foot, in vehicles, and in the air using these spinner, uh, flying spinner vehicles. So mm-hmm. using, you have something called encounter, uh, chase uh, maneuvers that you can use cards mm-hmm. to kind of choose, and also chase obstacles. You kind of get a almost like an obstacle course that you have to navigate yeah. to, uh, using these chase rules. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and I'm looking yeah. forward to people trying that out. Yeah, I think um, that sounds like it's like the action scene in the movie where, you know, you've got that, the chasing going on like that. So it'll have yeah. that kind of excitement moment. Exactly. That's it. Wonderful. Yeah. And yeah. um, in terms of uh, kind of creating the game, how long has this been kind of in development and what's it been like working on creating it? Right, yeah. We guess we started. I guess we signed the the agreement. It's I don't remember the exact date right now, but but it's been pretty much for the last two years. It's been a pretty mm-hmm. intense uh, development. Yeah. Uh, we had thoughts, you know, uh, it had started, you know, considering things uh, and thinking about it uh, on a conceptual level even before then. I think ever since mm-hmm. I think the idea came up around early twenty eighteen. So that's more than oh, four wow. years ago now. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been around, we've been, you know, uh, first couple of years, it's been mostly, you know, thinking about it and, and how it could be and what it should could be like if we did it. Mm-hmm. And then in the last two years, we've actually been working very hard mm-hmm. on, on doing it. Yeah, it's it's been uh, an interesting process. It's been, we have had, you know, so far mostly internal playtesting. Uh, we hope to mm-hmm. be able to share the game in PDF mm-hmm. format with the backers uh, fairly soon, as soon as oh, everything exciting. is done and, and mm-hmm. fully approved, because this is a licensed game, so we have to of course, get yeah. uh, things approved by the licensor uh, before we mm-hmm. can share or publish anything. So uh, yeah, um, really now it's, it's we feel, I mean, we're not done, 100% done, but pretty much mm-hmm. we've, now we're at the point where it's just the finishing touches and we just, you know, we just look forward to really be able to share it with everyone and see how how people will respond to it because that's really yeah. you know, a big big thing. Yeah, that's the fun bit is seeing people yeah. enjoy the game and use it. Um, yeah. For people that back the Kickstarter campaign, when will they be expected to kind of get the PDFs and the physical books? What's the the timeline for the project? Right. Yeah, the PDFs, which will uh, we hope to be able to share. Um, within a number of weeks after the Kickstarter oh, okay, ends. Great. So that's fairly mm-hmm. soon after. I don't want to say exact anything exact date. Of course, because yeah. It's, um, it's also up to, we need to finish everything and then the licensor needs to have their chance to, to review everything and, and so on. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's going to be a number of weeks. I don't know how many, but, mm-hmm. but hopefully yeah. not too long. And then, of course, there is the printing the physical stuff. Mm-hmm. That takes time, especially these yes. days with all the supply mm-hmm. issues and shipping issues and all of that. So <laughs> we hope and plan for a, a physical release, first to backers and then in, in general retail before the end of the year. That's that's the mm-hmm. goal. That's what we're working towards. So hopefully that will work out. But again, things can happen. So it's not 100%, but it's definitely the goal. 
Yeah, no, no, I mean, definitely. Well, at EM Publishing, we publish games as, as well. So sometimes yeah. things happen, with, especially with shipping these days as well. So yeah. maybe the books are already and they're on a contain- container sat yeah, exactly. waiting. So yeah, yeah. Well, what can you do? No, <laughs> yeah, that, that, makes, that makes sense. No, that's yeah. exciting. So it sounds like that could be something maybe around Christmas time that people uh, could yeah. have. So uh, maybe a nice festive game of Blade Runner <laughs> could be on the menu <laughs> exactly. for that. Absolutely. Um, so I think a lot of people are interested in Blade Runner because it's such an interesting kind of world and, and setting. So do you have any good stories from internal playtesting or some nice kind of moments you could share with us? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I think the uh, problem is that I think most of them would be kind of spoilery because oh, okay. most of the, <laughs> yeah. the playtesting on the, uh, the Electric Dream scenario and there were some mm-hmm. pretty intense scenes there at the end mm-hmm. that were kind of, you know, that I will remember. Uh, for a long time, but but on the other mm-hmm. hand, I can't really go into them because there yeah, can yeah, be complete spoilers of the scenario. So I guess I'm just to keep it, you know, a bit mysterious. But there is definitely mm-hmm. potential for some some uh, some uh, intense scenes in this game. Excellent. So some kind of high role play moments. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, if somebody was looking to uh, run the game uh, of Blade Runner, what kind of advice would you give to to GMs that are wanting to kind of create this story for their players? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, we will have these case files, the first one, Electric mm-hmm. Dreams, uh, and then more of them uh, down the line, obviously. But since we, we also want to support uh, game masters to create their own case files, because this game mm-hmm. will be focused on investigation, so you need some kind of structure for that. It's not it's mm-hmm. not a sandbox game like some of the other ones we have done. It's more, it has the structure of the case file, so you need kind of to design that framework before, before you play. But mm-hmm. to help uh, game uh, masters do that. There is plenty of support in the book, especially we have um, mm-hmm. uh, some of them are stretch goals that are now unlocked. So we'll have generation okay. case file generators and things that you can really quickly generate at least the core of, of a case file uh, mm-hmm. of, of your own for your players to play. So I think mm-hmm. get just getting into all of that is, is one way to, to really, if you want to play things beyond the official published case files that, that we'll sure. be publishing. Uh, but I think on a more general level, I think is this is a game that really benefits from getting into the mood. I mean, this is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, don't play it in a brightly lit room in the middle of the day, you know, okay. if, if you can avoid it. I mean, yeah, yeah. having like a moody, like use music, uh, you know, turn the lights down, as get this, uh, the right mood for the games. This is a game that, that relies very heavily on, on just getting, nailing the mood and getting that, feel of Blade Runner right and that mm-hmm. that really helps uh, mm-hmm. immersing yourself in, in this world and in the game so I think that's uh, the single you know simple straightforward advice that I'd give to, to people who want to run this that you know have a thought about how to kind of frame where you sit or if you play online you know you can also mm-hmm. use different tools yeah. like music and art and things to kind of set the mood uh, for everyone. Definitely. Um, so thinking um, ahead, like so, the the book comes with a lot of case files and scenarios in as well with the core book. But going beyond that, will this be? Will there be kind of future releases and things happening for the line? Is that kind of the plan? Or right, yeah. Initially, the the plan is to to publish more of these case files, and they're quite mm-hmm. meaty. And and the plan is also to tie them together. So even though they're in they're standalone, oh, okay. you can play one case mm-hmm. file and be done. They can also characters or maybe some plot elements can carry mm-hmm. on to the next one so they create a bigger campaign narrative so mm-hmm. that's like the 
core focus uh, yeah. now, more case files, basically. Yeah. But of course, then there is always we have some ideas of of, of source mm -hmm. books that might uh, have a look at other eras, other locations, oh, yeah. uh, other types of characters. We get this question a lot: if you can, you only play a Blade Runner, and yes, in the core game, that is the case. Mm -hmm. You can only play a Blade Runner, but possibly uh, down the line, and that, that we we could do something that that that, that looks at uh, other types of characters as well but it's not not in the short term that's that's further ahead than something we yeah that's confirm. yeah but it's uh, we have ideas in that direction mm -hmm. for sure but in the short term it's it's more more case files yeah no that sounds great um and what when people open up a case file what can they kind of expect about the kind of the structure and what what, what they'd expect to see in a case file yeah. Without uh, spoilers, obviously. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think a key thing that was always mm -hmm. part of what we wanted to do is to have a lot of handouts. I think, uh, and that kind of works. One of the big inspirations for this was, well, actually two. Uh, and uh, one was the old uh, James Bond RPG from the 80s that had this mm -hmm. envelope with, with handouts in it that I always thought were really cool. Yeah. We did, we kind of do, we do that, but we just took it up by I'm not sure three. So it's basically there's uh, when you play this and and this is quite work quite well in playtesting that you kind of fill as you play and progress the the scenario or the case file you will have these handouts that will kind of fill the table, and they will really immerse you into the world. But there will also be clues in there. So you really have to go through the evidence to have a think and connect the dots. And, it, and that process is is quite interesting and, and a lot of fun. And another inspiration for that uh, is actually mm -hmm. uh, not a role-playing game, but the Sherlock Holmes consulting detective games that are oh, yeah, work yeah. In, in a bit of a similar way. They're not role-playing mm -hmm. games, but they're also, you can have the map, you go to places, you collect evidence, you form kind of an hypothesis of, 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 of what's going on. I mean, we that was an inspiration. This doesn't work exactly like that, but it's kind of similar that you'll be, yeah, going places, mm -hmm. you have locations, you have characters to talk to, you collect evidence, and and but then something that, that will keep the pressure up because the risk with investigative role playing is that it kind of slows down to a halt almost. If, uh -huh, if, yeah. if players get derailed, they go off the wrong direction or yeah. just get stuck investigating some minor detail that's not really that important. So to avoid that, we also have something we call countdown events. So there is a countdown in each case file of things that okay. will happen to keep mm -hmm. the drama up. And these will be events that will happen no matter where the players go. So they will be if they're too slow or going in the wrong directions, things will just keep pushing and keep happening that kind of okay. force their hand in the end. So to kind of keep the drama up and the action going. So we think that's a kind of a nice balance between leaving a mm -hmm. lot of the freedom to the players to do their casework and the investigations. And then you have these countdown events that would kind of push things along no matter what. So oh. um, that's kind of the way they're they're structured. That sounds great. That sounds good for like, because I know sometimes when I'm playing a, a game like that, sometimes you just get stuck as a player. Yeah, exactly. And you're yeah. like, I don't know where we're meant to go exactly. yet. So exactly. It's nice that something will happen that will push yeah. you. So, but maybe yeah. there's some consequence for that, I imagine, because like yes. maybe if you'd figured this out before, you would have been prepared for this situation, exactly. but now you're just reacting to it. Exactly. You um, kind of get mm -hmm. caught on the back foot a little bit. So instead of being mm -hmm. kind of there before, you, maybe you come to, a, if some dramatic thing happens, if you were, fast in your investigation you might be there before it happens and stop that event or if you're but you're not that fast you might be just arrive after the event and, and yeah so it, it will impact the story mm -hmm. and the story will turn out differently depending on how how well you did in the investigation but even if you didn't do that well the story will not stop it will keep mm -hmm. things will it will be a cool story no matter what it will just be a different story 
yeah, yeah. the game will not bog down to a halt no matter what you do. Okay, that sounds that sounds really great. And how many um, kind of these case files do you get? In the first starter pack, there's the it's called the Electric Dreams. Is the, yeah, that's actually yeah. only the one. So it's mm -hmm. uh, but it's a pretty big one. These case files yeah. are not something you you you. I guess you could do it in a single session, but that would be a real marathon. I think we, <laughs> yeah. we did it in, in internal play testing. We did it in three sessions, three okay. fairly yeah. meaty sessions. So I think that's kind of what we're aiming for. If mm -hmm. you want to flesh it out more, you can draw it out over much longer yeah. than that we tend to be pretty fast where we play so i mean definitely mm -hmm. uh, if groups want to because something that i haven't touched upon yet that is also important in this game is something mm -hmm. called downtime so oh, yeah uh, we divide the day into shifts so basically you you uh, can go to one location uh, per shift and there are four shifts in the day that's basically the structure of it yeah. but then every fourth shift you need to have some you know rest you need to have a downtime so we and that means you go home, you go out, you do something mm -hmm. on yourself as an individual character and, mm -hmm. and leave work, basically. And that is also, I think, looking at the films, you have these scenes where they kind of go home to wherever yeah. they live and, and have something and you, you, and you get a different sense of the character there. And that's that's also part of, of, of the RPG. So mm -hmm. in these downtime scenes, these downtime uh, shifts that, that you'll be playing, you will split up and play individual scenes, fairly short, but still it's an opportunity to really go into your own specific character. And, and there can be some interesting overlaps there between the casework and the personal issues, because each character also has a key memory and a key relationship. So there's a personal yeah. element to every character. And that's something you can develop and explore in these downtime shifts. And if you want to go deep into that, then of course you can draw out a case file too, so almost like a small campaign almost. But yeah. Generally, I would say a case file is to be played in about three sessions. Okay, that sounds yeah, yeah sounds like plenty to be getting on with there. It sounds yeah. interesting because it sounds almost kind of like episodic, like a TV show. The case file, mm. so you'll have different episodes where we're doing this case file, and then yeah. you know later when there's more, or you create your own. Like you say, it can be a single thing, but it will yeah. kind of tie together. So you'll look back over all the the seasons, as it were, exactly. one yeah. big story. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. That that does appeal to me there. Um, so working on the game, like you said, it's been a number of years about thinking and, and kind of working on it. What's been your favorite part of kind of the, the design or creation process? Oh, it's hard to pick one. It's so it's, it's <laughs> yeah. a lot. But but I think something that is always very cool when designing games like this is the kind of the teamwork aspect of it. And when you have say that I had some idea of, of how this mm -hmm. could look or be, and then you actually get like the first art concepts from Martin, mm -hmm. or or you get the first setting text from Joe. Joe Lefavi is the setting writer for this game. Mm -hmm. And you just see, you know, it, it you just realize, okay, the, you know, it's not just, it's not exactly what you, envisioned but it's kind of better i mean that sense when it's like, oh it, oh it's like that okay now it's and it, and it turns into something even mm -hmm. you know bigger and better than you had envisioned in your head i think that those moments are are really pretty much the 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 best ones the highlights yeah i always love it when we get games when we get the artwork through because it makes it feel like it's going to be a, a real product instead of yeah. just an idea or a concept that you have yeah yeah. Um, on the flip side, I'll ask the other questions. What was the most kind of challenging part of designing uh, this setting? What were the what were the things that took a lot of time to to get right? Maybe. 
Uh, yeah, I think I already touched upon some of that, but I think getting the tone right is, mm -hmm. uh, and and for for a franchise like Blade Runner, which is quite complex, uh, is uh, and how to transition that into an RPG that is not easy. So I think that's mm -hmm. been the most challenging thing for sure in this game, and also getting case work to feel you know not, to work in the right way, uh, getting. A, I mean, Blade Runner and noir as a general uh, genre it often focuses on an mm -hmm. individual protagonist, whereas role playing, yeah. at least most of it, has a team or a group. Sure. Getting that kind of balance right and and how mm -hmm. to make that work that that took a bit of that 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 took a bit of work. It's not not yeah. super easy. So that's that was definitely a, a challenge. Yeah. But I think. Uh, we found a good way to make it uh, work for a, a group as well, even though it's it's designed this game for smaller groups. It's not. I don't mm -hmm. think this is a game you should be playing with like ten of your friends or something. No, it would kind <laughs> I, of break. I, it would. Who it wants to run down. a game for ten people? That no, would be terrifying for me. <laughs> yeah, no. So this one, we have basically said that it's a game mm -hmm. master and one to four players. We don't recommend okay. five or more. Of course, you can okay. be five or more, but then expect there to be a bit. It won't work as as well as as mm -hmm. it does with fewer players. No, of course. Um, that's really interesting. Actually, I hadn't thought about it because when we think about the films, it's usually one you know one Blade Runner doing their work, yeah. and we watch yeah. them. Uh, what what how, what have you done in the game to make it so that a group of Blade Runners working together makes sense for the story? Right, uh, a couple of different things. Um, one is is that we encourage splitting the party. Actually, well, we're, the first one is keeping the group size down in the first bit, like I mentioned. Oh, that, yeah, that's kind of key. Don't you know, no more than four players, and, and even four mm -hmm. is pushing it. I think we played mm -hmm. mostly with three players, and that really works mm -hmm. quite well. Then, second thing is that we actively encourage splitting the party, uh, even though these split scenes you should mm -hmm. be fairly short, so you don't keep a player waiting. Sure. These, the, the, the speed or the frequency of these countdown events that I mentioned is actually mm -hmm. tracked depending on on the group size. So that means if you okay. insist on going everywhere together as a team, you will actually probably not make progress yeah. fast enough uh, in in the case. So really, you're encouraged to split up uh, and mm -hmm. have small scenes, individuals. You, okay, yeah. so you go to that location, I'll go to this location, and you play small scenes individually there. That that works as long as you cut fairly frequently between them. Mm -hmm. That that really works. I think it it gives a much more of a yeah. Blade Runner feel to the game than yeah. if you would go everywhere as a team. Yeah. Then also the way we kind of expanded the the concept of a Blade Runner, they don't all they're not all Deckard or K walking around in a large coat. I mean, they're not all because that kind of be it would get kind of silly in the end if everybody mm -hmm. was exactly like that. So basically, we have a number of archetypes that will help you get mm -hmm. the sense of what a Blade Runner can be. So we have okay. one archetype which is called the Inspector, which is basically your Deckard mm -hmm. or K. I think that was the image. Uh, mm -hmm. you showed a bit earlier, but we have a bunch yep. of others as well, which are focused on oh, different yeah. things. I have like the city speaker, which is more like a gaff type of character. You have the analyst, which is a crime scene investigator, really more of a, of a technical person. There is a fixer who's more of a social climber. There's a doxy, mm -hmm. which is more of an infiltrator. The enforcer, which is a bit of a special forces type person. And, and so okay. there's you kind of expand the scope of what a Blade Runner actually can be. They're not, they don't all look and sound the same. So that, of course, also makes it a lot more. Yeah. It helps when you play a group because you will have different 
talent skills mm -hmm. and, and, and different focus on, on what you do and what you're mm -hmm. good at. So I guess those are the three main, main ways in which we have kind of uh, got that and, and also and also the downtime events and the downtime scenes that I mentioned before that really focus heavily on each individual character so that's how we we try to get across that sense mm -hmm. of the protagonist that you get in in the Blade Runner films into the RPG yeah definitely I think going back to the earlier question we had from Andrews about that would be a really good way to make sure players are playing a unique part in the world like you say they're not just pretending to be the main characters in the film and walking yeah. through that story it's, it's something different it's in that world but it's it's their story um happening there um yeah. so with the different kind of um archetypes you have there what else kind of goes into character creation when you're do are there are there kind of pre-built characters for you or do you create your own when you're doing a case file or yeah, um, in the starter set, there are four, I think, yeah, four pre-generated characters that come uh, with it. And, but those are so you can get started playing quickly. Yeah. Uh, you can really just choose one and go. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, you can also use in the core rule book, which is uh, has a, you know, uh, a lot of setting stuff and a lot of you know other things, uh, much more resources and, and including uh, character generation. So using the mm -hmm. core rule book, you can create your own uh character and you can play the the starter set case file with if you have both the core book rule book and the starter set you can use your own characters to play the electric okay. themes it's not it's not like our alien cinematic scenarios which are mm -hmm. heavily where you're pretty much need to play with the pregens that's not the case okay. in the blade runner uh okay. starter set so um you can definitely make your own okay great and what goes into kind of character creation does it take a long time or is it quite quick or how does well, what would character creation look like? What goes into it? Mm, it's fairly quick in the mechanical mm -hmm. side. Like I mentioned, yeah. we have chosen a fairly rules-like approach. So that yeah. means it's it's mechanically not super complex. It's quite fast. Mm -hmm. uh, what can take a bit of time uh, and, and, and investment is when you, you design... Uh, there is a way you, you have a key uh, memory uh, mm -hmm. and a key relationship that I mentioned. And you have a yeah. key memory no matter if you're actually, you can play a replicant or you can play a human. Mm -hmm. uh, but n n either way, you will have a key memory, which will be kind of a touchstone or a corner basis for your character. Mm -hmm. And you can actually roll that up. There, are, There is a generator for that now. Uh, so you can actually roll up your key memory and roll up your key okay. relationship, which is a fast way of doing it. And it can sure. create some interesting and sometimes, you know, interesting results that you have to mm -hmm. interpret somehow because, and that is an interesting thing because when you do that, it kind of forces you to have a think about this character, yeah. what they really mm -hmm. are. Uh, you can also design your key memory and key relationship yourself and just mm -hmm. you know, design it, make it up uh, as you want it, which in, you know, that can be a process that can, you can focus a lot on and spend a lot yeah. of time on if you want to. Mm -hmm. You can also use these random charts. I think those are probably the most that will, they're not mechanically complex, but yeah. they can be quite, you know, it, 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 you can invest quite heavily into them. Uh, yeah. if you want to. Uh, but apart from that, it's, it's the character generation is, is pretty fast and straightforward, I'd say. 
That sounds good. I think that sounds like a good kind of character creation. So mechanically, it's pretty simple. But the the bit that's difficult is thinking about who is this person? Yeah. What story do I want to tell? What's their role yeah. going to be in it? And that's, well, for me, that's kind of the interesting bit. So it's, yeah. it's good to hear. I'm not going to be there trying to work out loads of maths yeah. <laughs> doing something <laughs> yeah. when I'm trying to tell a, an interesting story. Exactly. Um, so you mentioned you can be a human or a replicant. Are you always going to know which one you are? Or is is it possible right. there's some... You know, similar to similar to the films, you know. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing that we that we um, handled. Yeah, like you say, this the, like, um, we can play a, a human or replicate. This game is set in twenty thirty seven, which in, in mm -hmm. the lore of the universe is a one year after replicants were reintroduced on Earth, and you mm -hmm. even have replicants as Blade Runners, like you see K in in, in the twenty forty nine film. Mm -hmm. So you can be that, uh, but uh, the way we set it up is that you have, if you play a human Blade Runner or a human character who, who at least you 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 think is human, you can, mm -hmm. as a player, have uh, the you have the option to let the game master roll a secret die, or you can even roll it without looking at the result. And if you get a specific result, you are actually uh, a replicant without knowing it. And okay. then that can that fact can then be used by the game master to to in interesting ways uh, as you play the game. But it's mm -hmm. the way we set it up is we we decided to make this a choice uh, for the player mm -hmm. to allow this possibility. They they won't know for sure if they are, but they if because this is the kind of thing where you kind of surprise a player and say, "Ha, you're actually yeah. not what you thought you were." Some players really enjoy that. Other yeah. players hate that. Yeah. So we didn't really want to make it a, a mandatory part of the game. Mm -hmm. So instead, we could basically allow for players who want the chance to be yeah. a secret replicant to be that. But if you yeah. absolutely do not want that, we're not forcing it on anyone. Okay, great. So that yeah. you can con kind of consent to opt into that like kind of exactly. storyline of thing. Yes. Oh, that's yeah, that sounds like a really good way to do it. Like I, as a player, would love that kind of moment and thing. But yeah, I imagine some people would feel a bit like cheated. They're like, oh, exactly. I've been going this way, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, it sounds like a really nice balance to it. Um, yeah, I think we yeah. We're coming up nearer to the top of the hour. So there, are there any more um, kind of things that we think it would be worth talking about and sharing today? Oh, good question. Mm -hmm. I think we covered quite a bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, no, I can't think of anything. I mean, there's Great. obviously more <laughs> stuff, but I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, yeah, no, I don't know. Nothing to share today. Okay, that's great. Um, yeah. Well, as I mentioned, the game is on Kickstarter now. Uh, so there's three days left. Uh, so if you go to the link um, that's written down here, or obviously I'll put the link in the show notes there so you can take a look. Um, so go check it out. You will not be alone. It's actually $1.5 million just shy has been raised already. So there'll be lots of people playing this game. So plenty of people for you to play with. Um, yeah, as I was saying, uh, I didn't take any live questions this week, but if you have any more questions, uh, I'm sure Thomas will be free, happy, to uh sure. you know talk through to him on the free league publishing on facebook instagram and twitch and free league pub on twitter so if i didn't ask any of the right questions that you wanted to know feel free to ask on there or of course back the project and ask in the comments on there as well that's another great way to do it as well yeah. um but yes yeah, so that's everything kind of about blade runner there so um the last question i asked that um i kind of end the show on is do you have any tabletop rpgs you have any favorite ones that you'd kind of recommend that aren't D Dungeons and Dragons and that isn't Blade Runner? 
So right. Not yeah, allowed I, to. <laughs> I guess it would be kind of cheating to to you know choose some of our other own freely games. So I, I guess I. Yeah, probably. that would be uh, mm-hmm. no. But I mean, apart from that, uh, there is mm-hmm. there is uh, there is uh, really uh, a lot. Um, uh, I wanted to say Into the Odd, which is a really cool game, uh, that, but now I just realized we're actually publishing the new version of that new edition. So I guess that, that kind of that doesn't work either. So I'm, I'm going to have to think of, of something uh, completely uh, different. Um, I actually enjoyed playing some. Uh, I, we try to play lo- lots of different games, new games, mm-hmm. old games, uh, pretty much uh, anything. And we actually had a now with that last fall, the, the new. James Bond film came out. We actually picked up the old eighties game and really had mm-hmm. a lot of fun with it. It's a bit of a, yeah. a, a, a hidden gem in a, in a yeah. sense. That's very well made, and and in many ways, it's it's uh, ahead of its time. I think just considering oh, yeah? it was made in like the mid eighties, and it's actually a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, I like that one. It's a bit of a you know, uh, it's old and has some some you know, it's not perfect, but it it, yeah. uh, it has charm, and I like it. Excellent. Sounds good. So the James Bond RPG, there you go. So we yeah. we like it. We like a film setting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Thomas, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about Blade Runner. It's great to see it be so successful. So really, really pleased. And I'm very much looking forward to getting my coffee as well. Um, so we're also having uh, Free League Publishing back as well next month to talk about Vassen as well. Uh, so we'll be seeing uh, seeing you folks again. Uh, and next week uh, with Not D&D as well, we are also talking about another RPG that is on Kickstarter, and that is the Die RPG. So come back next week on May the 30th to talk about that. Um, but if you cannot wait a whole week, don't worry. Tomorrow on Tuesday, we have another episode of the Starcross Seaway looking at the Level Up Advanced 5th Editions uh, system. And that will be taking place wherever you're watching this on here. Um, I think that brings us to the end of the show so Thomas thank you so much for coming on and talking to us thank you thank you